Welcome back to the Forever Everything Podcast. On today's episode, Gabe and I, we dive into culture of feedback. We talk specifically about what we're doing as a team to enhance our mission, our vision, and where we're going. We talk about a recent survey we do with our team and ideas that we have for other gym owners or business owners to perhaps do the same. I recently participated in a CrossFit Affiliate Summit, learned some things there that we share, and of course, we talk about the favorite workout of the week. This one, you don't wanna miss. Stay tuned for this. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes, make sure to go back, check out our previous episodes, including the one that we just did with CrossFit CEO, Don Fall, and make sure to also check out the Coffee with Kalipas. Have a great day, have a great week. Let's dive in a great episode. If you could only see, so <laughs> I was leaving the house today and I wasn't paying much attention because I was taking the kids to school. We were running a little bit late. And I walked out of the house. I'm wearing a camo rogue sweatshirt, an NC fit hat, and a pair of green Viore pants. And so between the green Viore pants and the camo, dude, anyways, if you saw me right now, you'd be like, I mean, I know you can see me on the camera, but if you saw my pants with this top, I walked into the gym today, the, the class was packed, pumping, energy's right, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, I have to go change my shorts. So anyways, that's where I'm at this morning. How about you? <laughs> it, your outfit sounds like something I would wear on a regular day, so I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it too much, PK. Ah, uh, dude, I'm not that worried about it, but dude, I, uh, yeah, I dropped off the kids. Uh, the 720 class was packed today. I don't know what it was. I don't know, but uh, it just finished. Um, and uh, yeah, it's nice to walk into the gym, you know, no matter what's going on in life, to be able to walk into the gym and to see members getting after it. Something about it just feeds the energy. So that along with some really good coffee this morning, I'm feeling right. I have a question for you. Uh, when I was, so I was in the Bay Area last week, we had our our leadership meetings, which I think we can actually talk about a little bit. I thought it was a really, really positive two days we spent together. And I'm I'm curious I think it'd be useful for us to share kind of how we got to the point of like recognizing that these get togethers are as important as they are setting like a quarterly cadence, which we're going to do moving forward. Um, anyway, super excited for that. But one thing that I noticed was that Thursday, cause I was there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I drove back for the podcast. We recorded Don quickly on Friday, but I was there pretty much all day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday still seemed a little bit lighter than the other days. And I know that historically, and other gym owners can probably, you know, relate to this, Thursday is like the universal rest day, right? Like so many people, just because of like, you know, CrossFit and the origins of how you're supposed to program, it's like three days on, one day off. And Monday seems just like naturally, it's the beginning of the week, everyone hits the gym, you go three days straight, Thursday just seems to fall as the day most people take off. <clears throat> is that something that you've still noticed week after week? And is that something that like is worked into the programming is that something that we completely ignore? Like, you know, it doesn't happen. Um, and is there any suggestion for gym owners to like, because I know some gym owners out there do run like an open gym on Thursday, possibly, or like a makeup day. Is that something that like you think would ever make sense? The makeup day is a terrible idea. So when we first started out, we we followed three on one off like every week. And on the day that an athlete, so if they came in on a rest day, we would then allow them to make up one of the workouts that they missed earlier in the week. It was a terrible idea because you had like three people doing this, three people doing that. It was impossible to run a good class. And looking back on it, like that was the, that was the era that we were in, but in hindsight, that was a terrible idea. So I don't think having like a, you know, pick your own adventure type thing works. 
Um, I would say that in general, I would agree with you. In general, Thursdays are slower at our gym. In general. Now, why is that? Dude, is it because people come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and they're tired and they take Thursday off? I don't know. I don't know exactly why, but in general, Thursdays, I think what happens is people like come in on Monday, Tuesday, they're all fired up. They make it through Wednesday. And then they're saying to themselves, Hey, I'm going to take tomorrow off. I'm going to hit up Friday. And then I have the weekend off. I think a lot of people do that structure. Um, some other people take Thursday, Friday off and are able to get in on Saturday. So I think it really just depends on someone's schedule, but I would say in general, you're right. Our participation is less on Thursday. Now, one thing to note is that currently we are prepping for the open, the CrossFit open, which is starting here in like in two weeks. So because of that, we have been making these Thursday workouts a little bit more like two ways to approach it. Like, for example, I think one we have coming up is like, you know, a 400 meter run box step ups and, and, you know, a DB ground overhead, as an example, you could approach that like hard and fast, like RPE, like seven, get after it. Or you could approach it like an RP, like moderate effort and get ready for the open, which is going to be on Friday. So right now we're programming it like Thursdays, kind of like a, you could have a journey that's like super difficult, or you could have a journey that's just like, get your body moving, get flushed out because you're going to be doing the open workout on Friday night light. So that's why this part of the year for the next month or so is like that. But I'd say in the future, the way we look at a programming is we're not going to have bangers every single day. We're not because if an athlete comes in every day, they're just going to get too, too fatigued. So we look at it like, you know, in general, I'd say that we have like two or three, like great workouts, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, oftentimes is like this, like flow where a coach could ramp it up for somebody or ramp it down, depending on how many days they came in. And that's the coach's responsibility. Friday is always like a great one because people want to finish off the week. And then Saturday is normally like a longer sweat session. Um, typically is what we see. Um, yeah, man. I mean, look, yeah, that's, that's typically the way we look at it. And, uh, there's a lot more to it though, of course. Yeah. And I think that at the end of the day, and I know we've talked about this kind of at, at nauseum, we've covered it on webinars, we've covered it in, in multiple different platforms, but at the end of the day, the onus comes on the coach, right? Like it's up to the coach to be able to recognize who's in front of me today. Hey, I've seen Jason come in three days in a row. He's not looking super good. Like today's a good day for me to provide value to him, not necessarily by like pushing him super hard or making him go tough, but like have a conversation with him and be like, Hey, how are you feeling? You know what I'd like you to do today? I'd love for you to like work on being super efficient with the kip and maybe go hit it at like 70%. Even if it's like an RP eight or nine type of day, recognizing where your athlete is at, what he could benefit from that day. And also just like having the wherewithal to recognize that Jason working on a specific skill today will benefit him more than you know, like burning the barn down for the fourth day in a row when I can already tell he's like, you know, starting to feel a little bit of the wear and tear. And, you know, that takes reps, that takes experience. But I think that the biggest thing that that takes and <clears throat> how we help our coaches do this and how we help other coaches do this through the NTFIT Collective is if you're not prepared for the class that day, if you don't know the stimulus, the, the warm up, the teaching progressions, like the back of your hand, if you're thinking about those things actively during class, it just, it takes the mental energy it would take to be able to have the, that recognition in those conversations with the individual athletes. So by preparing our coaches with really detailed session plans, we take that out of the equation. So they feel super comfortable with how the class is meant to be run and they can use their expertise 
and, and, and energy kind of making things individual for people based not just on their goals, but where are they this week? How are they feeling? How many days have they come in on in a row and what can they do to get the best out of the workout that day? Yeah. I mean, today's Wednesday and I think I'm going to go to jujitsu today. So typically I either take class, <clears throat> you guys know this, who listen to this show, I either take class, I test workouts or I do jujitsu. That's it. Like it's, it's, and yesterday I tested two workouts that are coming up here at NC Fit in like a month. And dude, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, you say you sent some videos. They look good. Bro, it set me back. I woke up this morning, my traps are sore, my my biceps are sore. I'm just like, wow. And here's the reason why. <laughs> they were sneaky hard. Um, if you guys see this workout coming up. The goal is to go unbroken. If you can do chest to bars, try and do that. So it was 25 wall balls, 15 pull-ups, two rounds. Rest a minute. Then uh, 15 wall balls, seven chest bar pull-ups, three rounds, rest a minute. I'm but laughing then, because as soon as you said rest a minute, I was like, oh, no. Then 10 wall balls, five chest bar pull-ups, four rounds, and then you're done. So on paper, it's kind of deceiving because you end up doing a ton of wall balls and a ton of pull-ups, but you don't really realize it because it's like the way it's split up. And so, yeah, man, uh, you guys will see this one coming up. It took me like eight and a half, nine minutes and with the rest included. And it was just a, 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 a really good workout for me because I haven't done chest bars in quite a while. And Frankie was doing chest bars and I was like, eh, let's kind of see what happens here. So I hit chest bars. That was fun. Um, and then after that, we tested another workout that this is a really important one to, to, to test because the way the workout was situated, and this is a fun one for gym owners that are listening. We wanted to, this is one where coaches are going to have to be on their A game, like a hundred percent, because it could be either be like one of the best workouts of the week or the month, or it could be a not so great workout. And it's um, 15 handstand pushups or, or um, hand release pushups, 20 cal bike or 15 cal bike. And then you take, um, you snatch the bar for max reps. And your goal is basically to complete this. You have rest in between each round until you hit 50 total reps on the snatch. So if you went really light, let's just say you went with like a bar, like you could do 50 reps of the snatch. No problem. You do one round. It's like, it's like, eh, whatever. If you go too heavy and you only get five snatches after you do the handstand pushups and bike, you'd have to do that for 10 rounds. It would be impossible. It would take you two hours. So the goal from a coaching perspective is to get athletes within that range of like 10 to 15. So they do three, four, maybe at the most five rounds. And it was a really good workout to test because it gave us an idea of what type of weight we should adjust. Um, I ended up, I ended up using 115. I think it was right. So that, that was another one of why testing is so important. Yeah, that sounds like a interesting, interesting workout, man. Um, I, I was able to participate in one of the Tuesdays that you guys test workouts last week when I was there. And, um, yeah, man, I mean, it, it, it's always goes to show how on paper. And then once you test it, you're always going to learn something about the workout, make a change, make an adjustment. I remember when I was there, we tested, it was to be determined 12 or 15 rounds of a workout. So the way a lot of us tested it was we did 12 rounds, looked at our time, kind of jotted that down and then continued to do 15 so that we were essentially able to test both versions of the workout, right? Like you're able to test, okay, the 12 falls under this time domain, the 15 falls under this, 
And we gave all that information to Frankie, who was kind of making the final call on what the workout was going to be. So you can incorporate that feedback into what will eventually show up on our app and for the collective. And that's really cool, man, because like I, I couldn't have told you what version would have been the appropriate time domain before starting. Like I had a feeling for it, but there were definitely some things as I went, that, like I realized, oh, like this is going to go a little quicker. This wasn't as tough as it I thought it would be the weight of the power clean. Like, you know, I didn't really have to think about it and all that kind of incorporated to, I think we were going to go with the 15 round version. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah, it's one of the, there's a few more, there's one that we're testing tomorrow. That is like a heavy friend squat and toe to bar. And, you know, I just look at some of these on paper and we're reviewing them. We're like, eh, this is good, but is it, is it the best rep scheme? And, and look at some point, you know, the between five reps and six reps is not a big deal, but I think if you test it and you get an idea, it could just, we, we have a responsibility. Um, we have a responsibility to our athletes here at the gym. We have a responsibility to all the gyms that use our programs to make sure we're putting our best foot forward. And it's, it's never going to be perfect, but our goal is to strive for as close to that as we can get and testing workouts with a variety of people. Like yesterday, for example, dude, we had, a, and there was like 12 of us testing workouts yesterday, each doing it slightly differently, except for me and Frankie, cause I wanted to throw down with him. Um, but that's really good feedback. Cause that's pretty much like a full class for most gyms. Let's make it known on the podcast though, that I beat you in the workout we tested last week. Let's make sure that we acknowledge the fact that Gabe Giannis <laughs> is very fit. He did do <laughs> ring muscle-ups and I did bar, but he still beat me. So it was two to three, but yeah, you got me. Um, <laughs> I, it was no. funny. I was I was joking around with with Ariel, my, my wife, when we were flying over there <clears throat> because I knew we were going to test workouts. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of like bodybuilding training. I've been really doing CrossFit style workouts. Um, I was like, man, I hope they throw me a softball. Like if you make me do like thrusters or burpees, it would have been ugly. It would have been a lot different, but honestly, the workout we got to test, I remember I got there and I was like, what are we testing today to Frankie and Emily? And they showed me like what the options were. And I was like, I, I didn't pick the workout, but I strongly encouraged that we do the one that I wanted to do. Um, Dude, that's the same thing. Just like yesterday, Frankie and I were going at it and, uh, it, and He's like, dude, that's, he's like, he even said when we were done, he's like, that's my wheelhouse. Like him and I, we both went unbroken. I finished a little bit ahead of him, but um, he was just saying like, that's my wheelhouse. So it's a, it's a good time in those, in those sessions. Yeah, I'd recommend for any gym owner listening, or this could relate to anybody that owns a business. I think that what happens oftentimes is a lot of conversations occur um, that are super business focused, right? So let's just say you're always on the phone or, you know, or even in person and you're always talking business. Hey, What's, what should be the class cap? What schedule should we run? Can you enhance your product on the floor? Whatever you're talking about, whether you own a you know coffee shop, which is my you know future aspirations, let's just say, um, talking about the bean. And all of a sudden, the only conversations you're ever having with your team are just nothing but about the business. And I feel like um, when you get in a relationship where you're just like throwing down to workout, you could talk more on a personal level. You could have that shared suffering together. And you can have the same connections and bonds that your members do in the gym. So if you're not doing that with your staff, I feel like it's an area of improvement that you could start, that you could start immediately. And I think it'll be really well received. Yeah, there's there's something to be said. And it's kind of been tried and true um, about, you know, talented people that care to move the business forward 
like just having them spend more time together, not in like a formal, like, Hey, this is the programming meeting and this is the problem we're trying to solve, but just spending more time together. Not only does it build camaraderie, but many times it like brings like valuable solutions and ideas that can bring the business forward just because people are spending more time together. You know, one thing that I remember from a book I read a, a, a while back, um, how Google works, it, you know, it's a story of like how like Google came to be and how it became like the huge company it is now. And one of the things that they were the first ones to instill because they saw the value in was really making like the Google campus a place where people wanted to spend a lot of time in. And I know that now we've kind of go in, in the opposite direction with work from home, so on and so forth. But a lot of Google products that were super innovative and solved big problems. Like I remember one example was like the person that invented the fact that like when you start typing something, it like prompts what the rest of your question is going to be. Like little things like that and Google Maps and even stuff like that, they would just post what the problem is in like common spaces in the Google campus. They would just be like, we need this solved. And a lot of the people on the team just during their free time would like get a group together and like figure out like, hey, how can we solve this? Like a lot of things that move the company forward didn't happen in like a formal like, all right, there's this team of people. This is what you're responsible for. Do it. What they realized is that if we get these really talented engineers to want to spend a bunch of time on the Google campus and we just present like put problems out there that need to be solved, like they're just going to spend that time trying to figure out because they're motivated to do so they're type a hard charger so on and so forth and this might not be like a you know apples to apples comparison but i think there's something to be said about the more time that you can have your coaches your general manager you as the owner just spending time together obviously you know working out together is just like the low-hanging fruit because if you're a fitness company if you're a gym that's something that all of you should enjoy to do together but just spending that time together there's so many good intangible benefits that come to that that don't need to happen within the constraints of like, hey, we're having a formal staff meeting every Monday at lunch where we're going to talk about points A, B, and C. It's just like, let's all get together and work out once a week and just talk about whatever. There's so much good that can come out of that. Dude, 100%. I mean, and I think here in the Bay Area, that that, that was a culture that was originally set. Then COVID kind of threw a wrench in it. Now I think it's coming back because people see the value in this collaborative nature and you know, we need that type of connection, which is why we're encouraging here at NC Fit that as many meetings as can happen in person as possible, that's the ideal state. We're not back to that as much as I want, but we're going to get there slowly over time. Um, I wanted to say um, I participated in um, an affiliate gathering last weekend. So we just released a podcast with Don Fall, the CEO of CrossFit. If you missed that one, make sure you go back to that. Um, and make sure you check out the Kafa Kalipas, all that good stuff. But I was at an affiliate gathering and it was really, it was a good time to kind of see where CrossFit's going, what they want to do, you know, getting a hundred, 200 gym owners in the same space. Um, you know, I think there was a lot of lessons that, that I shared with CrossFit of things that I think we could improve on. But at the end of the day, I think that the goal is, or the fact of the matter is, is that at least they're having something like this. Like they haven't had things like that or talking about business. And one of the things in particular that I found to be interesting about the affiliate summit or gathering is that they talked about sales. And if you look at like the legacy or the history of CrossFit, they would never talk about sales or business ever. And I actually think it's to the detriment of the affiliate. I really do. I think that we need to raise the bar across the footprint. And they had a gentleman, his name was Jordan, teach sales. And I thought it was really interesting the way they did this. So I, I thought this was interesting where 
he basically made it okay. He kind of like set the tone that it's okay to sell by saying a bunch of stuff. And then he had you partner up with someone nearby you who you didn't know, basically the, just flip your chair around. And then one person became the prospect. One person became the owner. And then you basically switched spots and you did this for like 30 minutes. And it was interesting because he tried to have us talk through like the objections. Um, and one of the big takeaways that I had, and I mean, I, you know, I started off in sales, so it wasn't like that new to me, but just getting to know the person more on a personal level before you start talking about the business side and understanding what are they there for? What, what, what problem are we trying to solve and really get into the root problem about why is this person walking into our gym? And yesterday was a great example. So I'm here at noon class and I see a new member. I've never seen him before. So I walk up to him. I was like, Hey man, my name is Jason. Just want to say hi. And he goes, Hey, my name's XYZ. I'm normally doing workouts down the street. And I could tell that he was going to orange theory and he spent a lot of time doing endurance. And one of his goals was to build strength. But I gathered that through conversations with him. And the more and more and more as an owner, we could understand why someone's in the door, the more likely I think we are to have them join our community because we're not just hitting them straight off with like the price or whatever. We're really trying to get to know this person, understand their why for coming in. And that was one of the takeaways I have for the affiliate gathering, which I think will help the overall ecosystem long-term if gym owners take that approach as one piece of the puzzle of sales. Yeah, man, it's such a shame that sales have been, you know, kind of presented as this like dirty word in, in, in a lot of in this space in particular, you know, I think that a lot of people get into it because like you want to help people and you want to change their lives and the methodology is so powerful and we want to make that accessible. So sometimes sales gets like construed with like, you know, if someone has hesitation because of price, for example, like you don't want to be pushy, right? Or you might want to offer a bro deal to make it more accessible. There's so many like different problems that have come from this, like honestly good intention of like, I know that what I do at my gym is powerful. So I want to get it, make it accessible to as many people as possible. But yeah, man, it's, it's been to a detriment, you know, sales is such an important skill. And, and I, I think that not only is it not a bad thing, it's like, it's our responsibility. Like if we know as coaches that we have something so powerful that can make people feel better, look better, have better health in the long term, better longevity, be able to live freely and fully outside the gym. If we know that what we have is that powerful, and we have someone that goes out on a limb enough to walk into our doors or pick up the phone and give us a call or shoot us an email. Things that honestly, especially now with how busy and distracted people are, it takes a lot of freaking work for people to do that. Like for them to go out of their way and pull into your gym or even shoot up an email or give you a call, that was a big deal because they probably have 20 other things that they could have done at that time, but they decided to reach out to your gym. And for you to, A, not answer them or not get back to your email, that's completely inexcusable. But for you to like actually have a conversation with them and not help make the right decision for them easy by selling them, which is what it is, right? By not addressing their concerns, by not, you know, not, not being pushy, but being persuasive about why, even though this might be a big investment for them, it's very well worth it to not know how to like combat the different um, objections that they might have. For you not to be prepared is irresponsible because what you're doing is you're making it harder for them to make the decision that you know that they should be making because you know you have the solution to their problem, right? So for you to just be like, oh, you want to think about it? Like, no worries. We'll be here when you're ready. Instead of following up on that and be like, well, why do you have to think about it? Or, 
you know, what it is that you need for you to kind of sign up today, for you not to like push those questions, I think is irresponsible. And I know that that's tough for some people to hear because sales is uncomfortable and it becomes really uncomfortable when it's about like an exchange of money. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad that the conversation is at least starting because yeah. the reason that a lot of these other <clears throat> fitness outlets, Orange Theory, whatever, are doing so well is because they've embraced sales as a part of their process. Like we talked about this before, when I visited the Orange Theory in Austin, you know, I had an experience where it was very, very clear that after taking that class, I was being sold to by both the coach that just ran me through class and the general manager. And they did it in a way that didn't come off as pushy. And but they they had a system. And I think a lot of gym owners are still like, you know, trying to like fly that plane while they fly it. So build that plane while they fly it. So to get, you know, some sort of training or direction from CrossFit, I think is, is a step in the right direction for sure. hundred percent, man. Yeah. That was, that was my big takeaway is like, again, I had a bunch of feedback on things that I think could be improved, but at the end of the day, as an industry, like we talked about with Don, it, it is only beneficial to everybody. If we raise the bar for the affiliate period, like it's, there, there is zero negative in encouraging the affiliates to raise the bar and not, you know, be the, at the bottom, like, because that's only going to get more positive impressions of CrossFit fitness and getting people off the couch. So yeah, I, that was a, that was a big takeaway for me. And one of the other things, you know, so last week we had some meetings. Um, I did want to, so this is interesting. So I have this here. This is an employee survey that we did. And I thought it was interesting because we have not done an employee survey in, in a long time. And I, I, I don't even know, I don't even know if we've ever done an employee survey, but I thought that it was really helpful. And so I'd encourage any gym owner, and this might be tough if, depending on the size of your, of your business and what you have going on. But at the end of the day, um, I, I do think that getting anonymous as possible feedback from your team about certain things. I think will help drive the business forward. So we had ours, um, a couple of questions like, how long have you been with the company? Um, do you have a clear understanding of NC Fit's mission and vision? I think that's an interesting one for um, for a, a, a small brick and mortar or any business. Like how well have you articulated your mission, your vision as the, as the leadership team? Do you have a clear understanding of NC Fit's core values? I'm, I'm just going to read off a few more. Um, and do you have a clear, um, goals and daily objectives on your job? I thought that's an interesting one too. Do you feel as though you're well-equipped to do your job? And then I'll just give you one more, um, one more. How satisfied are you with the level of frequency of feedback you receive regarding your job performance, which I think was an area of improvement for us. So those are just some examples of some of the questions we asked. We asked a lot more than that, but I think that, um, this was, this was well received by our staff. So I just want to bring that up for any business owner listening. I think that this kind of stuff can go a long way because it shows your team that you at least care enough to ask their perspective and, and start making, um, you know, changes where necessary. Yeah. And I think that the, the important follow-up to that is that, you know, we had a meeting, so there's the company that was, um, uh, encouraged to answer this anonymous feedback, but there's also a few of us on the leadership team that spent two full days in the office, kind of going through the results of that survey, but also just some other things and kind of trying to 
really figure out what's our, our vision for the long term and what's like our <clears throat> more short term like goals. How are we defining success first quarter and, and for the whole year? And I thought that that was a really valuable exercise. But, you know, I think that what's important is the fact that we're following up that survey with action, right? Like there were some very solid takeaways from that. Like, you know, to your um, example, giving people like real feedback on how they're doing. So we're bringing back the process of doing that in a formal way twice a year. So it's also important that, you know, not only you go out there and listen and receive feedback, but if there is some feedback that is warrants action, taking that action and taking that action swiftly and quickly after getting the feedback, I think also goes to show the team that like, hey, this wasn't lip service, right? Like this wasn't us just like putting out a survey so you can fill it out. And then it kind of just gets put over here with a pile of papers. We took that feedback very seriously. We spent a long time discussing, you know, what was valid, what can we do about it, so on and so forth. And now there are a handful of actions that we're taking because of the feedback that we got. And I think that that's equally as important as asking for the feedback in the first place. Yeah. So, I mean, here I am, this is, I'm at my office, which is upstairs at one of our gyms, which I wouldn't have any other way. I love, I love it. Um, but on my desk is this, right. And it will stay here until we do another one, because this is a really good reminder of things that we're doing really well. Like I, I do think in general, it was a really good survey for us. It made me feel good. On the other hand, there's areas of improvement. So this is a really good reminder for me that um, there's always ways to improve. So as a as an owner, I think that it goes along with your team because it shows them that you care enough to ask their opinion. I think working out the best way to do it anonymously, I think is the way to do it. I think there was some lessons learned there from us um, in regards to trying to make it as anonymous as possible because if people don't feel like it's as anonymous as possible, I don't think they're going to be as truthful as they could be in some situations. So if I can go back, I think we would do it a little bit different, but that's for the next one and all good. Um, but I'd make it anonymous and I would make sure that you actually read it through and are in a place that you could absorb it, you know, whether that's the right mindset to be in to really absorb that information so you can make tangible change um, towards where you need to go. And if you're rocking it and you get all tens, good for you. <laughs> you know, one thing that I think is important pointing out is obviously we have a little bit of a bigger a bigger team than maybe most gym owners are listening, right? Like we have two locations, we service, you know, corporate wellness, we have other verticals of the business. So for us, an anonymous, an anonymous survey might make a little bit more sense than if you're running a single location gym and it's like you, uh, you know, a full-time coach and two part-time coaches. Like if you send out an anonymous survey, it's going to be tough for that to be like really anonymous because you're surveying three people. So I think that for those kind of situations where you're a small team, a small business, there's still a way to get really honest feedback. And I think it's what we did as a leadership team, which is, you know, spending some time getting together, not making it like a one hour, 90 minute meeting, but really spending like a full day to where, you know, you can really be a little bit vulnerable and honest and hash out some, you know, maybe difficult conversations, maybe areas of conflict, because obviously the conversations that we had, they weren't anonymous. We were having them face to face. But I think the amount of time that we spent together and also clearly defining what we were trying to get out of our time together made it so that everyone brought really honest feedback. I think we hashed out some really important things to hash out. It wasn't all like, you know, super positive kumbaya conversations, but I think there were necessary conversations that needed to happen to where we all left those two days feeling really good about the progress we made and really good about moving forward. Or at least I, I know that's how I felt about it. So 
for any small teams out there, you know, you might be thinking, well, I'm not going to run an anonymous survey with the two coaches I have. But what you might want to do is just kind of like find some time, maybe away from the gym, like something offsite, whether it's a coffee shop or something, something to like remove yourself from like the, the businessy, businessy, like feeling of being in the business and try and have some like real honest, transparent conversation about how things are going. What can I do better as a leader? What can I do better to set you up for success? What are some problems we're having communication wise, so on and so forth. And like really ask those questions and be open to the feedback. Um, because if an anonymous survey might not work out, you still want to get that feedback from your team. Um, I know it's invaluable for us and it can be invaluable for a lot of businesses out there. Yeah. And on that note, you know, if you are going to have a meeting with your team, I think a way to do this is to have a third party come in. Now we had a third party come in. Um, you might have someone on your team. You might have someone in your gym who's maybe like a mindset coach or a physical uh, uh, psychologist of some type. Maybe you have a relationship with someone. Maybe you have a business mentor of yours. Who knows? Just another set of ears to kind of sit there and help facilitate conversations could be appropriate, or it may not be appropriate. You might not have that relationship with somebody and it might come off weird. So just something to think about is, should you have somebody else in the room if you're having these conversations? Do you have somebody in your network that you would trust to facilitate it? If you do, I think it's a good idea to help with that culture of feedback with having someone else there to help facilitate it. Um, there was something I wanted to say on this particular subject, and now I, I, it, it blanked. It, it, it blanked. blanked. He blanked. Damn it! Damn it! Sh- I short, it was short circuit in the matrix, dude. It was super valuable too. I, it was going to be the back. greatest. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was going to be the. Um, ah, damn. All right, let me, I'll take a second. Let me think about what I was going to say because um, having that um, having that third party could be a good way for some people to do it. But if, um, all right, I don't know where I was going with that. Damn. Yeah, I mean, having someone to ask the right questions is is super important. And also I think it it was helpful for us because it pulls away someone from our team having to like mediate so they can also actively participate. Was that it? No, this is where I'll go with this. Okay. <laughs> a shared mission. Okay. So, oh man, this is, this is, this uh, here we is go. Here the- we go. Take your notebooks out. Woo! So yesterday I'm on a call um, with customs and border protection who we're working with, and we are facilitating supporting their um, special response team in regards to their fitness. And we've talked about this on the podcast a while ago, but We are going to be supporting them. Now, there's another vendor who's also coming in to support them as well, who has a completely different skill set than we do. I'd say that our skill set is in coaching. We've seen thousands and thousands of athletes in our brick and mortar. We have programming, et cetera, et cetera. There is a little bit more job-specific, operator-focused. And specifically, when we're coming up with different benchmarks from a physical fitness perspective, this other company could be a really great asset for us to work with where their background is particularly with military and law enforcement, where ours is with the general population primarily. So we're having a conversation and this gentleman introduces us and he calls me later and he's like, dude, I'm really happy that went well because we're bringing in two, two groups and you guys seem to align. There was no ego, et cetera. And I think the reason why it was so simple for us to get along is that we had a shared mission and vision. And our goal was to do whatever it took to provide the best product to enhance the health and fitness of these customs and border protection SRT guys. That's the goal. Like the mission is very clear and how we're going to get there. We need to collaborate because we both probably bring strengths there. And I think that 
it was just a really good way to say with your team, if your mission, if we agree on the mission, like we're, we're aligned, we want to impact more lives. We want to do, we want to own and operate the world's greatest, you know, CrossFit gyms, et cetera. If you're aligned there, you could work through some of the struggles you might have from um, maybe uh, communication or maybe some of whatever, as long as you're aligned on that shared mission. Um, and I think that when you come together and you talk in a circle, you'll probably realize you have more similarities and you have differences, but maybe that just got kind of, kind of, um, there might be some animosity brewing within the team, but when you actually sit down and discuss it, you'll realize you are aligned on your shared mission and you need to learn to work together to achieve it. And that was just a really fresh in my mind example with this other group that's coming in because I didn't know them at all but we're totally aligned on where we want to go. So let's work together to get there. It's the same as us collaborating with CrossFit. We're aligned on what we want to try and do. Let's do it together because it's going to be better for everybody in the long run. Yeah. Collaboration is always important, but I think that, you know, to your point, an important first step for any business owner out there is identifying what that mission and direction is in like a precise enough terminology that like it could be very clear to people and they can fall in line or, you can also clearly identify that if they don't agree with that mission, you know, that's the biggest sign, the biggest writing on the wall that they might not be a part of the journey moving forward. And it can make that decision, while it being a tough decision, a little bit easier for you to recognize. Yeah. Yep. And so not to completely shift gears, but I do want to say, um, this is my attention problems coming in. Um, shout out to my wife. Uh, she's been leading the charge on Ava's kitchen. It's a lot of work for her. Right. She does an annual fundraiser. Um, it is next week. So when this releases, it'll be, um, February 18th. I imagine you could probably still, you know, grab a ticket and fly to San Jose if you want. Uh, it's pretty late notice, but the event's shaping up to be something really special. We have quite a few really badass live auctions. That I think are going to go um, bananas. Um, but I just wanted to, uh, give her a shout out. She, she probably doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, but, but I think it's important <laughs> to acknowledge hard work and effort. And I think she's been putting that in tremendously, um, for her event. And I'm excited to share with you guys how much money we raised for pediatric cancer. So that's happening February 18th. If you could still, it's not too late. You can still make it. Um, and you know, tickets are, you know, they're, they're, they're pricey, but it, every penny goes to pediatric cancer. Yeah, and if you can't make it this year, I think that because it's always around the same time every year, right? Yeah, and, and and that's really what we're trying to do is lay a framework for the future. You know, this is the sixth year, and we don't want to see this not continue. So if you can't make it this year, at least we're just putting on the radar for maybe in the future um, to to add into your philanthropic, you know, um, direction for for twenty twenty four maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. If it makes you feel any better, I don't think Ariel listens to this podcast either. Yeah, it does, yeah, you know, it's fine. It's fine. They, they, listen, to us, they listen to us enough in person. Um, That's 100% true. Ashley doesn't need to listen to me on, on, a, on a radio or, or whatever it is. But, yeah, but dude, we got we got some cool, you know, it's, I'll, I'll give a shout out to a, a local town called Los Gatos. Ashley sent out an email to every business in Los Gatos and said, hey, I'm doing this. It was actually pretty sneaky because she sent this thing and said, hey, I want to do like a whatever of Los Gatos. And so she sent an email to all the different businesses and one by one, they started donating something. I think what happened is they got peer pressure because people didn't want to not be a part of a Los Gatos package. So every single business now has donated something because they didn't want to be the one company that was out of being a part of the package. So by sending it out to everybody, she has some amazing like um, packages, but that was one of the examples was um, just reaching out to local businesses and expressing what's going on. And 
it's, it's just, it's a good example for any business owner that, you know, if you don't ask, you're never going to get now, obviously it's some philanthropic things. So it's totally different. But I mean, the same thing applies to getting new members in your door and whatnot. If you're not out there talking to people, how are you going to ever have that opportunity? So, you know, it was cool to see the businesses support though. It's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, yes, it is a little different, but I think it's not in that a lot of gym owners, you know, always want like, well, what's, what's the the ad that I can run that'll fill up my gym? What's the, you know, marketing campaign that'll solve all my problems, but you know, good old going out there and knocking on doors, creating relationships with businesses, you know, putting out little flyers, just, you know, making sure that the local coffee shop, local juice shop knows who you are and can send people in your direction, doing a giveaway. Like those things are, you know, one of those things isn't going to make or break your business, but doing them on a regular basis is going to create referrals and all sorts of just good, good, um, you know, tailwinds for your business that I think people just ignore because it takes a little bit of work up front and you might get a bunch of no's, but you also might get a bunch of yeses and you'll never know if you don't go out there and do the work. Yeah. Well, dude, it's, it's February 1st. We're recording this January officially, uh, in the brick and mortar, uh, you know, was a really good month for us. I hope it was a good month for other gym owners or any business listening. I hope that January was a great start for 2023 for you. Um, I think the sky's the limit right now for the fitness space in terms of brick and mortar. I think that we're seeing people come back now. Now we're also in California where people were restricted a little bit longer, but we're seeing a lot of momentum coming back. So I hope other gym owners are as well. One day, maybe in a few weeks, I want to share a few numbers with people because I think it might, they might just give gym owners an idea of some of the things that we're doing and some of the success we're seeing. Um, but that's, that's for another day. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share that stuff too. You know, I think it's been a, a wild roller coaster ride to say the least. Um, you know, we're going to come up on, on three years since, you know, the pandemic has, has been a thing, which is crazy to think that it's been three full years. Um, but you know, it, it hasn't been easy at times, but I think that, you know, we're, we're very close, if not, you know, completely, um, to the light at the end of the tunnel. And it's exciting. It's exciting because I think that it's, it's forced us to, you know, take a hard look in the mirror of how the business is run, how we operate, um, where there are some inefficiencies that we can get better. And I think that, you know, Matt, our president says this all the time, you know, we're probably running a better business now than we were before. And it's because we were kind of forced to look at a bunch of things and improve a bunch of things that I think are setting us up now to like really hit the ground running. And it's super exciting, man. It's, it's exciting for me being a part of this organization for coming up on five years now. Um, and it's exciting to, you know, think about the impact that we can have on the gym owners we work with through the collective on our commercial gym members that I get to see every time I'm back in the Bay area. Um, and you know, all the end users on our app and, and anyone that we touch with other projects that we might have in, might have come in on, on the horizon. Yep. Well, I mean, Hey, that's a great time for me to give a shelf, uh, shameless plug. Um, obviously I plugged Ava's kitchen. That's highly, you know, personal. Um, another plug is you are a gym owner and you are listening to this podcast. And if you've listened to other episodes and you have not checked out the NC fit collective, you gotta check it out. It is, the world's best session plans and programming that we use in our gyms all the time. Our coaches and I, we curate it all. 
And it is delivered all, all around the world. And the feedback has been amazing, especially since we brought from two programs into one, but we have a performance and fitness track. I think it's been really well received. We're really streamlining that. I think we're doing better and better every single week. But if you're a gym owner and you haven't seen that or our 2023 outlook document and all of the resources we have, make sure to check it out. Um, all the links are in the podcast show notes below. I'm pointing down, which if you're not watching us on video, you're probably like, what the hell is this guy doing? But anyways, make sure you guys check that out. The NC Fit Collective and also our biweekly newsletter that Gabe writes for gym owners, I think is world-class and our weekly effort over everything EOE weekly Monday is for anybody who just wants a little bit of fitness juice and fired up. That's that's those are the different things we got going on right now. Yeah. I like that you described it as fitness juice and fire it up. I think we might use that in our, in our marketing terms moving forward. Dude, I sometimes <laughs> it just comes to me. It might be because it's, it's I love it. De- it might be because it's 23 degrees in this office right now. And I, I'm where you're at right now. I think it's like, I saw a video from Gordon Ryan and he rolled down his, his window and the ice stayed on the outside of the window. Yeah. It's, it's, we're getting freezing rain out here which is um, it's a pain in the butt, to say the least. What the hell is freezing rain? So basically it rains and then it freezes immediately when it hits the ground? Yeah, so it's just, it's, it's raining, but the temperatures are like at or just below freezing. So it freezes instantly. Like for whatever reason, like we don't get snow. We get freezing rain in Texas. <laughs> I can't explain why, but like, you know, like in the Northeast, when it was cold, you just, snow is what you get like you don't really get rain when it's super cold here you get freezing rain and it's a pain in the butt is it because it's like right on the cusp of like too cold or cold enough for the rain to freeze but not cold enough for it to be like snow is it like is that i mean i couldn't i I couldn't possibly tell you i gotta go google that now because i'm really (laughs) curious um so could you go like right now out front could you go like basically go slide on ice on your drive? I mean, I know you have dirt, but no. L- luckily, it's it's a little, it's just warm enough where I am. But I've I've been looking like Austin is an hour north, and it's significantly colder. Maybe not significantly. I just think we're right on the cusp. But like things aren't like freezing, freezing here. It's just wet and cold. But um, in Austin, there's there's been and in Dallas, it's a nightmare. They're like canceling all flights out of Dallas. Dallas is. I'm one hour south of Austin, and then Dallas is probably two and a half or three hours further north, and it's it's bad there. And then we have Liz, who does our social media, who's in Oklahoma, even further north by like another four hours, and they're in like a frozen tundra. I always I I always laugh at her. I always tell her that um, Oklahoma is just whatever weather Texas is having, but worse. But worse. Yeah, I got an email from um, the jiu-jitsu school at Sheepdog that their morning class was canceled. I imagine it's exactly because of that, right? They don't want people on the roads or, or whatnot. Um, wow. Well, I hope the weather improves. Um, dude, I hope, uh, baby Shay is rocking and rolling. Um, and dude, I'll always love catching up. Let's, uh, if you're listening to the show and you really enjoy it, just share it, rate it, would really appreciate it and make sure to go check out the previous episodes. I think we have some really good ones on there. Any, uh, closing remarks here, Gabe? No, man, that's it. Um, grateful for everyone that listens, give us a review, check out those newsletters. Jason did a great job pitching everything. And, um, yeah, I think I was officially unofficially promoted to co-host of the podcast this week by Liz, our, our, uh, you know, who's in charge of social media. So I'll, I'll take it. Hey, and make sure to go check out that fitness juice. <laughs> it's in the, the fitness juice. <laughs> fitness juice. All right, guys. Have oh, a good so one. So good.